time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, inalienable rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Recording this week's episode in the Goat Locker studio and the Larry Linton for TN12 campaign headquarters right here in Sevierville. This week, we're just going to cover down on a few of the usurpers' lies, keeping the focus here in Tennessee for the most part, too. But first, signs are going up throughout the county, and I want to thank the volunteers that have stepped up to help me hand out flyers in the community. If you are interested in volunteering, do not hesitate to ask. I will get you some campaign material that you can take with you and pass out throughout your local neighborhoods. Just send me an email to larry-for-tn12 at protonmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible. I hope you are all following the webpage too. I am putting up daily updates, blog posts, and other information relevant to the citizens' liberty quite frequently. If you live here in Sevier County, I would like to ask that you not only share my webpage with everybody you know, but also share my social media pages. I believe that with the voters here sharing those pages instead of relying on Facebook for advertising, this will help get the word out. I have paid for some advertising on Facebook, and it is not working out very well at all. By design, too, I am quite sure. When designing an ad on Facebook, you can select a target audience by location, and that's what I did. I selected Sevierville, Seymour, Weirs Valley, Pigeon Forge, and Gatlinburg for the areas my ads were to run in. Well, about 50% of the comments I received on those ads were not from people that lived in any of those locations. So, it will take residents here spreading the word and sharing my information to make sure it gets out to the rest of the county. Please like and share every one of my posts on Twitter, Instagram, Truth Social, Facebook, and Telegram with everybody in your contacts list. So on the topic of lies, let's get into those four proposed amendments to our beloved Constitution here in Tennessee and just how our government is lying to us about them. Let's talk about Constitutional Amendment number one. The summary of it is as follows. This amendment would add a new section to Article 11 of the Tennessee Constitution to make it illegal for any person, corporation, association, or the state of Tennessee or its political subdivisions to deny or attempt to deny employment to any person because of the person's membership in, affiliation with, resignation from, or refusal to join or affiliate with any labor union or employee organization. Well, let me just tell you, the Tennessee Code already states that. 
I understand the argument from some on the right that by making this part of the Constitution as an amendment and not just being part of the code, it will make it harder for the communists to come in later and change the law. My response to that is, really? How hard was it for the so-called Republican supermajority to get these amendments on the ballot? Then, just how hard will it be for the voters to approve it when it does appear on the ballot? Much like this amendment and the other three, they will pass this November because of the electorate's apathy. The argument that it will be harder to repeal an amendment than it is to change the law comes from a place of nativity, given the current state of citizen involvement in our system of self-governance. So that brings us to a couple of questions. Why is this amendment being passed in the first place? Especially given the General Assembly's stance on employers and vaccine mandates. Listen to the words of the amendment again. It is unlawful for any person, corporation, association, or this state or its political subdivisions to deny or attempt to deny employment to any person by reason of the person's membership in, affiliation with, resignation from, or refusal to join or affiliate with any labor union or employee organization. In essence, this is the government telling corporations that they cannot deny employment to any person, but only for some very specific reasons. If you remember last year and earlier this year, the General Assembly was unwilling to tell corporations that they could not deny or attempt to deny employment to people based upon vaccination status. Why the change of heart? Well, you know, change of heart is the euphemistic phrase for hypocrisy. The pesky why questions should lead you to the most important question here. Who benefits from this amendment? Also, just who benefited from the stance on not prohibiting employers from denying or attempting to deny employment based upon vaccination status? The answer to both questions is the same. The corporation's benefit. Please do not get me wrong on this issue by thinking I'm a big pro-union type of guy. Unions are just microcosms of communism, if you ask me. The poor suckers that are paying union dues don't realize that for nearly every stated purpose of a union, there is a taxpayer-funded government program already in place, especially in the areas of safety and employment practices. This boils down to these employees are paying taxes to support existing government programs, and they are also paying union dues to the union bosses to advocate for those very same programs that the government already provides. That reminds me of the old P.T. Barnum saying, there is a sucker born every day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is just half of the saying. The full saying is this, there is a sucker born every day and two people that will take them. In this case, the government and the unions are taking the sucker that is the employee and robbing them of their sweat equity. They are paying twice for the same programs. So, I am the complete opposite of a big union guy, especially public sector unions. 
People that belong to those unions are your neighbors, and they are voting to take more money out of your pocket without you having a say-so. So my reason for opposing this amendment is pretty simple. It is government involvement in picking winners and losers in the arena of businesses. It is siding with corporations because they have much deeper pockets than regular Tennesseans. It is government not operating as designed. After all, constitutions are written to limit government, not limit the people. So moving on to the Second Amendment, Constitutional Amendment Number 2, this amendment is summarized as follows. This amendment would add to Article 3, Section 12 of the Tennessee Constitution, a process for the temporary exercise of the powers and duties of the governor by the Speaker of the Senate or the Speaker of the House if there is no Speaker of the Senate in office, when the governor is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office of governor. While a Speaker is temporarily discharging the powers and duties of the governor, the Speaker would not be required to resign as Speaker or to resign as a member of the legislature. But the Speaker would not be able to preside as Speaker or vote as a member of the legislature. A Speaker who is temporarily discharging the powers and duties of the Governor would not get the Governor's salary, but would get the Speaker's salary. The amendment would also exempt the Speaker who is temporarily discharging the powers and duties of the Governor from provisions in the Constitution that would otherwise prohibit the Speaker from exercising the powers of the Governor and from simultaneously holding more than one state office. Basically, this amendment is similar to the 25th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I take issue with some parts of the 25th Amendment, as I do with this one. You should all be familiar with the 25th Amendment. The commies in the federal government and their useful idiots were crying for it to be used every day that President Trump was in office. But not a peep about the guy that looks for dead people in the room or goes to shake the hands of invisible people on stage, or cannot string together three coherent sentences. Anyway, the problems I have with proposed amendment number two to our Constitution are these. First, it's the vague language. Second, is the process to bestow a tremendous amount of power to unelected officials. On the vague language is the reason whereby the governor can submit a signed declaration that he or she is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office. What exactly does that mean? He or she can just wake up one day and decide they need a mental health day? The stresses of the budget process are too much to handle today, so let me pass the reins over to somebody that was not elected to be governor. I believe that there should be a particular reason. There should also be language that states that if, after a certain period of time of incapacitation, a new election for governor should be called. Because the acting governor was not elected to be governor. They did not win a statewide election, just a Senate district election or a House district election. Then there is the part of the amendment that allows for a majority of the commissioners of administrative departments of the executive department, they can submit a signed declaration that the governor is unfit. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a bloodless coup by a bunch of unelected bureaucrats. Just imagine Dr. Penny Schwinn, our education commissioner that came to our state by way of California, or Dr. Lisa Piercy, 
the former health commissioner of the mature minor doctrine fame, having the reins of power in our state. I'm sure you have all heard the phrase, don't California my Tennessee. Well, this amendment lays out the groundwork for just that to happen. Unelected bureaucrats with communist leanings or tendencies, much like we have right now, can get together in a back room somewhere, all the while being funded by people like George Soros and his ilk, they can decide to remove the duly elected governor of the state. You all know that I'm not a big fan of Governor Bill Lee, and I will be happy when he leaves elected office, but he is a better option than Dr. Schwinn by a long shot. Also, he was elected by the people. The commissioners are all appointed, not elected people. If the vagueness of the language were cleaned up to include a medical professional's diagnosis and prognosis for recovery with a time frame, I might be good with that part of the amendment. But I am definitely not a fan of unelected bureaucrats having any say with who is or is not fit to serve as governor. The people that get to do that are the citizens of this state. We elect the governor and decide whether or not they get another term. Also, we must ask the questions, why this amendment, why now, and who benefits? Are the people's liberty and rights protected by this amendment, or are they decreased or eroded? Based upon the answers to those questions about this amendment, my answer as to whether or not to add this amendment to the Constitution is a resounding no since the possibility exists for our voices to be diminished by unelected bureaucrats, it must not pass as written. Now let's move on to the third proposed amendment. It is summarized as follows. This amendment would change the current language in Article 1, Section 33 of the Tennessee Constitution, which says that slavery and involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a person who has been duly convicted of a crime, are forever prohibited in the state. The amendment would delete the current language and replace it with the following language. Slavery and involuntary servitude are forever prohibited. Nothing in this section shall prohibit an inmate from working when the inmate has been duly convicted of a crime. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Article 1, Section 33 of our Constitution currently states the following, that slavery and involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, are forever prohibited in this state. The current language is pretty straightforward. The proposed amendment contains some vagueness that lawyers and judges can interpret as they see fit. Why introduce vagueness into the plain language of our Constitution as it is today? Who benefits and who does not benefit from this amendment? Remember, after all, slavery is already unconstitutional in this state. But did you notice that the word punishment is not present in the new language, only in the summary of the language? I have often stated to friends and family that some of our nation's problems really began to explode when our criminal justice system transformed from a punishment to rehabilitation system. I believe as many others, that this amendment sets the stage for inmates to get paid for their work, as it is no longer punishment, while they are serving out their prison sentences. Let me ask you this question, ladies and gentlemen. 
if a prisoner's work is no longer punishment and they receive wages for that work, just who is going to pay those wages? Yes, indeed. That would be you and I, the taxpayers here in Tennessee. These inmates will now be rewarded with wages because their labor is no longer punishment. But that is not where this ends, though. Many of those same inmates owe significant sums of money to other people or organizations based upon the crimes they were convicted of. It could be in the form of restitution or fines or even child support. You name it. This amendment sets up the scenario where the taxpayers of the state assume the debts of these inmates because their labor is no longer punishment. Then there's the situation of the middleman in these transactions, lawyers and judges along with other government offices. Our tax dollars, our sweat equity, will be lining their pockets through this new backdoor tax on Tennesseans. I believe we can answer the questions of why this amendment, why now, who benefits, and does it protect or erode Tennesseans' liberty? Well, lawyers, judges, and criminal activists will get their portion of the taxpayer sweat equity if this amendment passes. The answers to those questions lead me to a big no on this amendment. Now let's go over the final proposed amendment. That would be amendment number four. It is summarized as follows. This amendment would delete Article 9, Section 1 of the Tennessee Constitution, which prohibits ministers of the gospel and priests of any denomination from holding a seat in either house of the legislature. Well, that sounds pretty good on the face of it, doesn't it? After all, I believe the General Assembly does need a whole bunch of come-to-Jesus moments, and who better to do that than a minister of the gospel? So, just why would I oppose that amendment, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I don't oppose it on principle. I oppose it because I believe it was just added into the mix to make the other three amendments more palatable to the general public. This is where apathy comes in. If the voters the small amount that will show up in an off-presidential election year, see that amendment on the ballot and that it is coming from a so-called Republican supermajority in the General Assembly, they will link the other amendments in their minds to the goodness of this amendment. There are a couple of problems, though. The first, I already mentioned as to why I believe this amendment was added. The next, that article and section of the Tennessee Constitution has already been found to be unlawful and unenforceable. After all, there have been ministers of the gospel and priests that have served in the General Assembly in the past. This amendment would just be some cleanup language for our Constitution. Do you think the lawyers and lobbyists that advised the members of the General Assembly knew that? Of course they did. And that is why it was included with the other three amendments. This amendment could have been added many years ago when the language of the Constitution was found to be unlawful in the first place. Do you want to know what the very next section of our state's Constitution states? It seems contradictory to the previous section. It states, No person who denies the being of God, capital G, or a future state of rewards and punishments shall hold any office in the civil department of the state. Wow! Future state of rewards and punishments. Just what could that mean? Well, clearly, that means heaven and hell. 
Those concepts are hallmarks of all Abrahamic religions, especially Christianity. We could go even further and discuss Article 1 of the Tennessee Constitution, which is the Declaration of Rights portion of it. Section 3 of Article 1, commonly referred to as the Declaration of the Rights of Conscience, states this, that all men have a natural and indefeasible right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience. It goes further to explain what that means, but I want to point out that the use of Almighty God in the Declaration of Rights portion of our Constitution, that is Almighty God with a capital A and capital G, that specific spelling and phrase are unique to Christianity. In summary, our Constitution already has references and requirements with regards to belief and religious systems throughout it. That leads us to the same questions of, why this amendment, especially since it does not go to correct other instances of religious litmus tests for serving in elected office? As Article 9, Section 1 is already deemed unlawful and unenforceable, and this amendment is just cleanup language, that leads us to the question of, why now? As I stated earlier, the people that benefit from this amendment are those that are using it to make the first three palatable for the electorate. Why this amendment and why now are answered the same way. This amendment is a bit of honey to make the castor oil of the other three go down the throats of an apathetic electorate just a bit easier. To erase or prevent the aftertaste. After the past few years us Tennesseans have had with unconstitutional actions by our government, along with that same government using our sweat equity to bribe a car manufacturer to relocate to the state, or to build a new stadium in Nashville, we must all look at anything proposed by the bought and paid for politicians in Nashville with a jaundiced eye. Some of you may not be familiar with that term, jaundiced eye, so let me explain. If we look upon something with a jaundiced eye, it means that we have been harmed or tricked in the past and have become wiser because of it. Jaundiced is an adjective that means showing distaste envy, or bitterness. In this case, it should mean distaste. Every Tennessean should view what happened to us all over the past two years, or even further back in time now that we are discovering what has been happening in government schools for a long time now. We should all look with distaste at everything Nashville is doing. That will take discipline to become actively involved in our system of self-governance once again. To ensure that our elected officials serve the people that elected them and not the moneyed interests that are the political parties, lobbyists, corporations, or political action committees. Some or all of those moneyed interests are behind the first three amendments. With these amendments, I would just ask the audience to read them all, then ask the following questions that I used when discussing them. Ask yourselves, why this amendment? why this amendment now, who actually benefits from this amendment, and does the amendment protect or erode the people's liberty? The critical answer to find out is who benefits. After reading and researching these amendments and you determine that they do not protect your liberty or any individual's liberty, then you know how you should vote. Listen, folks. All of this will take each and every one of us to make a decision to no longer allow elected officials 
at any level of government to take the citizens for granted anymore. We cannot allow them to bank on our apathy that ensures the same old, same old is the normal way of conducting business. We have to remind ourselves that government is instituted among men to secure liberty, not to rule us or involve themselves in every aspect of our lives. Our founding fathers would be disgusted at what we allowed to happen to our government. We should all be disgusted as well. That is why I'm asking you all to take a stand in the arena with me this November to help me remind Nashville that all government power is inherent in the people and not the groups that have bought and paid for legislation for decades now. We can no longer afford the same old, same old politics as usual in our state's capital, nor in our nation's capital. We have to reclaim our power from a government that hates us and that has sold us out to personally enrich themselves. With that, this week's wisdom from God's Word comes to us from Proverbs 29:12. If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials become wicked. More unerring truth coming to us from God's Word, as usual. How many lies have the advisors to the current occupant of the White House told him? How many lies has he repeated to the people he is supposed to represent? We have seen this play out before our eyes for nearly two years now. Any sane person cannot honestly believe that the usurper-in-chief comes up with all of these ideas on his own. Just like any sane person cannot believe the once gaff-prone septuagenarian, now turned dementia-riddled puppet of the communists, actually received the most votes for president in the history of our nation. What is going on there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is nothing short of elder abuse. Old two words, made in America, Joe has become the laughing stock of not only our nation, but of the world. The people that are advising him are absolutely wicked. They are propping up this old man in this position solely for their mad lust for power and control. These wicked people are destroying our country faster than anybody could have imagined. The advisors behind the hair-sniffing ice cream connoisseur have accomplished more destruction in 21 months than the previous communist occupant of the White House did in eight years. I believe the wicked people working behind the scenes recognize that they made a mistake in the pace of their radical change under Barack Obama. They were also counting on Hillary Clinton to win the 2016 election so they could continue their path of destruction. The election of Donald Trump in 2016 and a very likely win in 2024 has caused the communists to put our nation's destruction on a frenetic pace. Then we can also take this down to the state level here in Tennessee. Just who is advising the General Assembly about the necessity for the four proposed amendments to our Constitution. Also, who advised them that posting the amendments on the Secretary of State's website, initially in an obscure location, as meeting being published as required by law? I am quite sure that every citizen regularly goes to the Secretary of State's website 
every time they power up their computer or handheld device to get their news. Yes, that must be every Tennessean's daily stop for news and information. Unless, of course, they were searching for Mr. Trey Hargett's DUI arrest information, but I digress. Four completely useless amendments, some with purposely vague language. What wickedness are these advisors concocting behind the scenes here in Tennessee? Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.